Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is October 25th. Today we're going to continue in Doctrine and Covenants section 124. And before we continue on in the rest of the verses, I just had a few more thoughts on verse 1 and also on Nauvoo in general. We talked yesterday about Nauvoo, how it was originally called Commerce and how it was kind of an ironic name because there was nothing in that city that was making a lot of money. It wasn't good farmland. It wasn't good for businesses. It was essentially a malaria-infested swamp. In fact, if you remember all the stories from church history about Joseph Smith being really, really sick and how he drug himself off of his deathbed and went and ministered to the sick and gave blessings and healed people, that comes from this time period when they are in Nauvoo as they're trying to build up Nauvoo and as they're trying to drain the swamps and kind of get rid of all these mosquitoes. Now, what I love about this is we talked yesterday, the word Nauvoo means beautiful. And here they are in this malaria-infested swamp, and yet they're calling it beautiful, even though in that moment, I'm sure it felt like anything but beautiful. What I love about this is what it teaches me about the Lord's ability to see beyond the here and now with me, his ability to see my potential, not necessarily who I am right now, but he's able to look past who I am right now and my mistakes and my flaws. And he's able to see me for who I can become, the potential that I have inside. Just as Joseph Smith and the Lord was able to look at this malaria-infested swampland and see it for the beautiful city that it could become, our Father in Heaven is able to look at us in our imperfections and in our weaknesses and see who we are as children of God and all the potential that we have. Now, my friends, I believe that it's one of the great works and great challenges of this life to learn to do the same for other people, to learn to see through the eyes of God and to see God's children as they can become, not necessarily as they currently are. A few years ago, Elder Renland gave a talk called Through God's Eyes. And in that, he said, I now realize that in the church to effectively serve others, We must see them through a parent's eyes, through Heavenly Father's eyes. Only then can we begin to comprehend the true worth of a soul. Only then can we sense the love that Heavenly Father has for all His children. Only then can we sense the Savior's caring concern for them. My friends, just like Joseph Smith and just like the Lord saw potential in commerce and was able to look forward with faith and call that swampland, Nauvoo, or beautiful. Our Father in Heaven sees us with perfect eyes. Yes, He knows our faults. Yes, He knows our failures. Yes, He knows our weaknesses. But He's able to see us beyond those things. He's able to see us with all the potential that we have, all that we can become. And He wants us to see His children in that same way. Elder Uchtdorf once said, Our Heavenly Father sees our real potential. He knows things about us that we do not know ourselves. He prompts us during our lifetime to fulfill the measure of our creation, to live a good life and return to his presence. Sister Stephen says, God never loses sight of our eternal potential, even when we do. I'm sure, especially in the beginning, especially when they're all infested with malaria, that the saints and even Joseph Smith lost sight of the beautiful in Nauvoo. But God saw and he knew, and he understood what that swampland could be. For us in our lives, we might lose sight 
of our potential, of our beauty, of the things that we could do and become. But my friends, I testify that our Father in Heaven never loses sight of that within us. He sees us for all the good that we can do. He sees us for all the good that we can become. And He desires that we see His children in the same way. Now, Going on, I just had one other thought about verse 1. If you'll remember in verse 1, the Lord says to Joseph Smith, I am pleased with your offering and acknowledgments which you have made, for unto this end have I raised you up, that I might show forth my wisdom through the weak things of the earth. Now, we talked yesterday more about the last part of that, about how the Lord knew Joseph Smith's weaknesses and used him in miraculous ways in spite of those weaknesses. But I wanted to talk for just a second about the very first part of that verse. The Lord said that he was pleased with Joseph Smith's offerings and acknowledgments. I think that that's really important to recognize because our offerings, even though they might be imperfect, are still beautiful to the Lord. Our efforts, our willingness is beautiful to the Lord, even in their imperfections. Even when our efforts feel like malaria-infested swamplands, The Lord is pleased when we put forth that effort. And when we try, he's grateful for the efforts that we make. Again, this reminds me of the widow's might. She didn't have much, but she gave all that she had. She put everything that she had into her offering. And my friends, you and I, when we make an offering to the Lord, when we reach out in service and in love, when we do our best to fulfill our callings, even when we fall short, even when we fail, even when our efforts are imperfect, we can have faith and trust that the Lord is pleased with the offerings that we make because those offerings are coming from our hearts and because the Lord loves effort. President Hinckley once said, please don't nag yourself with thoughts of failure. Do not set goals beyond your capacity to achieve. Simply do what you can do in the best way you know how and the Lord will accept your effort. I love these words where the Lord says he is pleased with Joseph's offerings. Were they imperfect? Yes. Were they weak according to this scripture? Yes. But if the Lord wanted perfection, he would have done it himself. Rather, he asks us for our efforts, for our offerings, as imperfect as they might be, because through those efforts, through our offerings our hearts become changed and our conversion becomes solidified. And he is pleased even when the only thing we have to offer is the widow's might. He's pleased when we give that to him. Okay, so let's take a look at some more verses here. In this section, the Lord is going to command his people to make a proclamation to the kings and to the president-elect and to the governors of the nations. He wanted his people to proclaim the gospel to them. He tells his people in verse 7 not to fear them because they are of grass and all their glory is the flower thereof which soon falleth, which is ironic because he specifically mentions the president-elect, which was William Henry Harrison, who died 31 days later. He really was like the grass or the flower that bloomed quickly and wilted away. But he wanted them to proclaim the gospel to all the world, to all the kings, to all the rulers, to all the governors of the nations. And then he says in verse four, let it be written in the spirit of weakness and by the power of the Holy Ghost. My friends, I absolutely love this because sometimes when we are trying to stand for what we believe, when we're trying to proclaim what we know, 
when we're trying to be missionaries in natural and normal ways, sometimes it can be really hard to stand and to profess with words what we know to be true. But could we write it? Could we write in the spirit of weakness and trust that the power of the Holy Ghost could carry our words to the hearts of those who read? Here in 1841, it was impossible for them to stand face to face with all the kings and the rulers. And sometimes, in some points of our lives, it might be impossible for us to stand face to face with those who need our testimony. But my friends, I testify that as we write in the spirit of meekness, that our Father in Heaven can use that spirit of meekness and can add power to our words through the Holy Ghost. And that by the power of the Holy Ghost, our messages can be carried unto the hearts of the children of men. So my friends, I'm going to challenge you this week to write down your testimony. You don't necessarily have to send it to anyone, but write it down. Hold on to it. Let your testimony be your proclamation to the world. It doesn't necessarily have to be to the kings and to the rulers and to the governors of nations, but let your testimony stand in writing so that all who read will know without a doubt what you believe and that that testimony can be delivered by the power of the Holy Ghost through your words. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.